Welcome to Culture at Work, the podcast that explores how to maintain a strong corporate culture in a rapidly changing world. I'm your host, Tim Carroll, inviting you to learn from industry leaders on how to build an exciting culture to bring people back to the office and inspire them like never before. On today's episode, we have Pat Ivers. Pat has been working in the advertising agency and television advertising sales industry for the past 35 years. Today, Pat is the founder and one of the owners of Continuum Media, a national television advertising platform. Continuum has 65 team members with primary offices in Denver, New York, as well as Cardiff, Wales. Pat is an advocate of building environments which help develop and foster team culture. Over his career, Pat has personally designed over 20 offices and has taken an active hand in everything from layout to furniture. Continuum is also a great client of Working Spaces, and we will be talking about how we helped guide them through changes in space pre and post pandemic. This is going to be a great conversation. Let's go. Pat, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I'm, I'm really thankful. Uh, clearly, you're a very busy man, and and uh, and just very thankful that you you took some time to have a conversation with us around what it takes to really build culture. Um, gosh, in a in a television advertising agency, so that's uh, it's an interesting conversation, and I really just want to start off with if you could tell us a little bit about Continuum Media and what what you guys do. Sure. Um... First of all, I'm glad I give that perception of being really busy. I hope everybody thinks that. It's job <laughs> Me security. Me too. Um, <laughs> we are a uh, we're a national television advertising platform. What that really means um, is that we sell network advertising on all of the cable channels, all of the broadcasters, connected TV, your streaming services, etc. The difference is rather than our clients buying one spot from CBS or from CNN to air their um, ad. They come to us and we actually go out to all the cable affiliates across the country and we buy um, their inventory on CNN and we string it together to make it a national ad. And we do the same thing on CBS. We do the same thing on, on streaming services by buying that inventory from multiple partners um, and we try to do it so that we deliver um, efficiencies, which is a nice way of saying um, lower spot costs to national advertisers. So it's it's just a different way to skin the cat, I suppose. Um, and in this day and age, it's, you know, uh, we're all challenged um, with the economy. So uh, it makes it, it makes sense to our advertisers. But it's it, it sounds simple and it's really hard to pull off. We've been working at it for 20 plus years. Well, it doesn't sound simple if that helps. It sounds like it would be difficult for sure. But so you clearly uh, care about culture. And this is what's interesting is just knowing, and we love at Working Spaces working with with um, owners and CEOs and executives that that just get it, right? That, that understand that you can really affect culture um, with your space and, and really putting some thought to it. But I want to start with a question I ask everybody, which is, how do you define culture? Um, so, so the interesting part is I would tell you that I probably define it differently than most of the people that work for or with me. Um, and, and I think if you, you know, obviously I'm going to try to drive and I have, and I'm very intentional about 
culture and it and 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 trying to understand culture because I don't actually define it. It just sort of defines itself mm-hmm. in a workplace. Um, and you can do a lot to navigate or direct that culture, I suppose. If it's if it's going in a direction you think is good for your team, the environment, the business, et cetera, yeah, then I think you can start to you can um, cultivate that. If it's going in the wrong direction, you got to make changes. And and so trying to understand what culture is, um, to me, it's how the employees feel about the co- continuum, how they feel about this company. Um, and, and that has an awful lot to do with, obviously, the physical environment. It's kind of, it's, it's just such a tricky, it's such a complicated answer. But I spend, you know, as, as the president of the company, I probably spend, and I, I'm not exaggerating, 30% of my time trying to manage what our culture means to um, the recipients. And 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 it actually translates beyond just the the workplace. It, it translates to our clients um, today, and most of our clients um, in the buying community on the agency side tend to be younger, et cetera. Um, the, who they work with and how those people feel about their businesses is very important, and it translates in sort of that transactional component. So, culture has a halo effect much larger than just your existing environment. Totally agree. Now I'm interested in that 30%. You said 30% of your time is taken up trying to affect culture, uh, how it, the perception of culture in what ways do you do that on a daily basis? Um, so, so there's a few things we, we were very sensitive to what the employees want and are looking for. And that is a moving target right now. As a matter of fact, it's, I, sometimes I feel like I got my hand on a Ouija board and it's, uh, you know, what is important to the majority of our my employees today is very different than what was important to them four years ago. Um, you know, and we'll talk about impacts to culture and what it is, but but trying to understand those. And then you actually have to peel away the onion a little bit and say, OK, on the surface, I get why that's important. But is it really important? And is it important to the company? And are there synergies between what's important to you and what's important to the company? Um, because I without the company, I can't address those individual needs. So so they're completely related. But you know, I am a small, independently owned company, um, and and every decision we make has you know a, a fiscal um, aspect to it, and then it's got a, the humanitarian aspect to it too. And and so we're constantly trying to balance those because yeah, I mean, if you ask my employees, what's really important to you? Oh, I want to make a lot of money. I need a lot of vacation time. I need flex uh, scheduling. I need all of these things. Well, business needs to foster success too. And and so I have to spend a lot of time trying to let people understand you actually have a commitment to your teammates, to the success of the, this business, so that in turn, we can respond to your needs and the needs of your family and the needs of all these things that are important to you, but they all work together. And so if I ignore it, it's like a, it's like a small brush fire that gets out of control really fast. Um, so we're constantly looking and trying to reevaluate what we offer and the space we have when we ask people to come into work, um, that's a big deal, right? So I, I'm, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole with you, Tim. So do it. 
when 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 COVID hit and and then we were all working remotely, that changed everything. Talk talk about culture without an office space. That that's a really tough one. Um, well, I would, and I would say almost impossible. Almost impossible. And so, what becomes important to people are what they have around them and what they're getting paid and sort of how you're responding to them. And I, I, there's still aspects to community, company that are important to them, but it's really hard. We saw a lot of reten employee retention was really tough during churn because these people, my, my teammates are all working at home. And if a client's not calling them, a recruiter was calling them. Mm. And they're just taking a phone call at home and it's what's the best offer for you today? And and you you know, so we we get into this sort of materialistic offerings to our employees because we're not there. I'm not I'm not engaging with them short of on a Zoom call, et cetera, et cetera. So when when COVID ends and we say we need you back in the workplace, you know, then you got into this balance. Uh, well, what's the appropriate ask for coming back to work? Keep in mind, prior to COVID, nobody ever asked that. Suddenly with COVID, it was like, oh, you know, I, I need this work life balance now. Um, and I, I appreciate that. I, I have a family. I have a lot of other stuff going on. I, I love to be able to sort of balance it. And I do. I think the silver lining to COVID is it's allowed a lot of people to have more family time. Um, it's allowed married couples with kids to say, hey, can you stay home one day and I can stay home another day? And now the kids have two parents at home, you know, um, a couple of days a week where they might not have had that prior. Those are those are all big benefits. But when you ask them to come back into the office, and I've got offices in Denver, Colorado, in New York, and in Cardiff, Wales, in the UK, very, very different scenarios and environments to all of those. If I'm asking somebody to come back into Denver, how do I connect with them? How, what do I, how do I make it important? And I guess the, the one thing that is unified across all three offices is when I have my teammates in the office, I need to give them something that justifies why they're in the office. I mean, and that's where culture starts to come back into it. it because it's not, it's not, I'm going to give you a free meal, although that could be part of it. But I want to give you an environment that fosters creativity, that fosters camaraderie, that fosters purpose of the business. All of those things start to play into that. And so we become very conscientious of, look, depending on where you are, and we have different schedules. Denver, my my team comes in three days a week. I'm in five days a week, but I live 15 minutes away and I like being in my office. But the rest of the team's in three days a week. In New York, during COVID, everybody moved out of the city. They moved farther and farther away. And so commutes became a big issue when we said, we need you back in the office. Two things had to happen. We're in an advertising business. The advertising agencies in New York had to be in too. Otherwise, I'm bringing my teammates in and we can get some internal culture building and camaraderie opportunities, but we don't have the business opportunities because our clients aren't coming back in. And if they were, they weren't taking meetings. So that became a little bit different. So in New York, people were saying, you know, Pat, I've got an hour and a half commute each way now, you know, and I, I know you want me in the office and I understand it and I enjoy being in the office, but I spend three hours a day coming to and from the office. And if I come in and I put in my earpods and I just listen to something and I look around and then it's time to go home, what have I really gotten out of that that I couldn't have gotten at home? So mm -hmm. the, the, the idea is not to say, well, don't put your earpods in. The idea is to give them some reason that they don't want to put their earpods in. 
And so what are those reasons? What are those things that you're talking about that, that uh, you said you, you've got to think about ways to encourage. And by the way, I want to double back here in a little bit, because I yeah. think interesting conversation around pre pandemic and what was going on. Cause we were actually helping you with spaces at the time, but yeah. what are you doing um, to it? What were you doing to incur? Cause all your people are back really, but what, what were you doing to encourage them to come back and how did that play out? So, I mean, there at first, at some point you mandate, you got to come back to the office, right? I, I wasn't, it was a little stronger. Encouragement seems like a soft word. Um, and, and I made the mistakes, you know, I, I tried to balance. I'm like, I really want everybody back four days a week and they almost burned down the building. So I said, okay, can it be three days, can it be two days. And, and they are different office to office. So in Denver, it's three days a week in New York, it's, it's, uh, it's three days a week, but they have an, an alternate, they get to pick their third day. And then in Cardiff, it's the same thing. It's two days a week, although they tend to come in more than that. The one thing we did across all offices is I need everybody in on Tuesday and Wednesday. And that allowed us to at least have in-person meetings. We knew that teams were all together. It was much easier. Yeah. Zooms were conference room to conference room as opposed to a bunch of people on the call. And then when we were in there, we turned to the managers um, or the leaders of the departments and said, okay, what are you going to do to provide value to your team? This is a great day to train them. I don't want to, I don't want people to come in and be in eight hours of meetings um, but how do you foster uh, camaraderie amongst your team and a bunch of larger team? And it could be meals. It can be meetings. It can be as much as get out of your office and go out and, and sit and talk to people that don't necessarily work directly for you. Ask how they're doing. Get to know. Schedule cross-team meetings. Let's really understand what other teams are doing. Um, and, and have those conversations, and we encourage it all the time. Please have them out loud on the floor so that other people hear it and can chime into it. Because one of the things that happened during COVID is everybody got so removed and so isolated, it was really hard and almost uncomfortable to get them to talk, again, beyond the scope of their immediate need or team, et cetera, et cetera. So there's been a lot of things like that. Get outside. Um, in Denver, we have an outside space, so it's nice. Bring your team outside, sit outside, take it in. Um, but it's just intentional about what are you doing? And then, you know, we one of our, our organizational goals is just to continuously drive improvement in our environment and our culture. And what does that mean? And trying to identify it. And so we, we talk about those things all the time. How do we drive creativity? How do we drive job satisfaction? Just what does that mean? Do we even understand that as a, as a company? Um, and... You know, we we are a small company and I hate it, but we still survey our employees um, anonymously. But at least that gives you a launching point. So we're just really sensitive to what those things are. Um, and then when they came in and taking it back into your world, Tim, the office environment, the physical space that they work in became really, really critical. And and pre-COVID, you're right. I, I had was working with working spaces doing our office in New York. And then COVID hit and it got shut down in the middle of the project. Um, when the governor of New York allowed people to come back in, we finished the office space and it sat dormant for a year. I didn't have a single employee in there. And then when people came back, what was, you know, we had built an office for, I think it was about 26 or 27 people. 
And it, it, New York's, we're in Midtown Manhattan. New York space is expensive. So you optimize your space. And, you know, we had nice working stations for all the employees with some privacy and, you know, they can stand up, et cetera, et cetera. And we actually looked, if you didn't know, you would have thought that we were very sensitive to the needs of social distancing, et cetera, et cetera, of COVID. We just got lucky in how we designed the space. But when everybody rolled in, um, there was too much capacity or there wasn't enough capacity to give them enough space to feel safe. And so we had to immediately say, well, if we don't need space, then let's get rid of some of these cubes, et cetera, et cetera, and, and create more open space, more creative space. So before I even had people in, I was already remodeling an office that we hadn't even occupied that had just been remodeled. Right. Um, and 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 as a result, then we started to look at the other two offices. We we in during COVID, we actually added bodies to the Colorado team. Um, and so if we had brought everybody back in, it would have been cheek to jowl here. Yeah. Um, and we needed so we were at a pretty limited space. We ended up picking up cre um, another office down a hall, turning that into creative space, meeting rooms, et cetera, just so people weren't on top of each other. Because again. You know, my options were, well, you could stagger the teams and you can bring some people in on Tuesday and some people in on Thursday and you won't, you know, then they won't be on top of each other. But that defeats the purpose of trying to get them back together and, it and builds establishing kinds of cultures. Yeah. It really does, because yeah. the culture is going to be built by pe by the people and you're going to create two different cultures, even in the same space. It's going to kind of start to manifest in two different ways if you have two like shift work going on. Right. Yeah. Okay, we're going to break away for just a quick message, and we'll be right back after this. At Working Spaces, we do much more than just sell furniture. We immerse ourselves in the culture of each and every client, and then create spaces that inspire. Inspire creativity, inspire productivity, and inspire connectivity. So if you're looking to create an office space that inspires your employees to want to come back to the office, collaborate face-to-face, and do their best work every day, contact Working Spaces. Working Spaces, the innovative leader in office furniture and design since 1999. Now in six markets nationwide. Welcome back to Culture at Work. So I love so, the idea sure. of leadership kind of shifting to, hey, this is a leadership issue here. Um, are, are wanting to bring people back, we're going to have to engage our leadership to think differently, utilize the space differently. By the way, my favorite time when at times when I was in school was when the teacher said, let's go, let's go learn outside. That was my favorite. So yeah. I love that you're taking it outside uh, in, in Denver, at least. Uh, I, I, I love that. But talk to me a little bit about kind of what was the culture, because you had to change the space, right? Post pandemic, you had to change the space up. But you were changing the space pre-pandemic. What was the culture before the pandemic? What is it now? Is it better? Is it worse? Is it just different? What are the kind of your thoughts on the pre and post culture? So with respect to the space, I've always been, a, so there's two things I believe that you need in an office environment. One, you need natural light. And, and two, you need some sort of horizon. You need to be able to look out and see something. And I, years ago, I heard some psychiatrists talk about this with respect to depression. 
right? And in a, in an office environment. And when you bring in just incandescent lighting and people are sitting below it and they can't see anything but walls or the walls of their cubes, the world gets pretty small. That's right. And if it gets pretty small, then you start to question, what am I doing? Why am, why am I here? What, you know, because we spend a, a, an inordinate amount of our life working. Um, and we always work for another reason. I mean, we work for, you know, take care of our families to do what we want to do in our life. And so I, in all of the offices I've had, I've tried to bring that in. I've tried to incorporate glass. I've tried to incorporate as much natural light as we can, um, as much space as you can. And sometimes it's, it's almost the illusion of space. You may not have a lot, yeah. but you want to create the feeling like you have a lot. I'm not a fan of bench seating, um, you know, because, and I know that's popular right now, especially as companies have downsized, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, well, you're only coming in, you know, find a spot to sit. People all, I I believe that people like their space. Right. And and these are all, you know, look, most of my employees are college graduates. This is a, prof this is a professional career for them. And so they want to feel like they're achieving something and your space allows you to start to feel that way and be proud of your space. And, and so we're really conscious of that. And I, I always have been prior to, prior to and, and post COVID. The, the big difference was that how, how people sort of perceived what they did for a living. And I, and I, you know, there's a whole nother podcast, right? What happened right. during COVID to change perspectives right. on all of that. And so, like I said, it wasn't so much the physical space. It was important to make sure people didn't feel like they were on top of each other in a post-COVID culture. And, and that translates back to, oh, the company cares for me, right? Because they've, they've made, they've looked at this and they've said, oh, you know, we don't, it wasn't so much a hygienic issue for me. It was their personal safety. And by the way, those were words that were used to me from employees, Right. Um, and it, and that is, I never heard, had somebody come up and talk to me about their personal safety mm. pre-COVID, right? And suddenly employees are talking about my personal safety, my personal space, my work-life balance, all of those things that became really, you know, terms that, that, that emerged two or three years ago, and we've become very sensitive to. So, like I said, we've, we've tried to accommodate with additional meeting rooms, um, and and space where they can get out of their cube, they can go and they can sit with somebody and they're not on top of somebody. Um, but we also encourage them to use those. When you're in the office, I can't tell you how many times I sit on a Zoom call and, you know, my leadership team will be sitting in adjacent offices and we're all on Zoom calls, all in the same one. We could easily go and sit in the in the conference room. Those are habits that were fast established and and long to break, um, and and I'm and I'm open to the criticism when people come in and go why why don't you just join us in the conference room you're right yeah, you're right I got to do it, yeah. Um, yeah. you know the other thing that came out of it were uh, and and these were out of surveys um, I had one employee that came to me and he's like I know you're worried about the artwork in the office how about some plants how about something living in this and we never really focused on plants. Um, now I have a lot of plants, people that take care of our plants, right, in in our offices. Um, but particularly like in the New York office, where you can't walk out the door and have open space like we do in Denver and we do in Cardiff to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. In New York, that bringing some life into the office was a big deal. Um, 
you know, plant life. So those are things that just nuances that changed. There is a, the well building uh, Institute. They have a certification um, kind of like lead, uh, but it's, it's all about the inside, right? And it's all about light. It's about yeah. plants. It's about sound. It's about temperature. It's about all these things that really go into making the, the, the individual inside the space comfortable and productive, right? So it, all the things that you're just talking about, but yeah. My question here is, what is the kind of differences? Were there different reactions to what you were doing by market? So you've got three fairly diverse markets. I mean, I think Denver and New York and Cardiff are, are very different locations, different places. So were there different reactions, some that that took to it a little more, some that pushed back a little more, any of that? Yeah, I. Um, it's... The, the the easier one for me, Denver was easy. First of all, most of our employees live somewhere in proximity to this office. So commuting's not a big issue. You know, most people in Denver own a car. That's very different than New York, right? right? I have a lot of employees in New York. I'm not even sure they know how to drive. I know they don't own cars. Yeah. Um, so when the, we brought them in, and yeah, we were working with a fixed space. I, I just signed the lease um, prior to, right before COVID, a month before COVID hit, right? And then you guys came in, and we all got stopped in it. Um, and so trying to get them to react, you know, in the past, they would have come in and said, this is great. Um, love our space, et cetera, et cetera. And then they came in, and a brand new space, and all I got were, I need more room, I need more meeting, you know, all the criticisms that came in because they felt like they were on top of each other a little bit. Well, the reality is um, because so many people, especially in our New York office, started to move farther and farther away from New York, when we did require them to come back into the office, we did draw a sort of, it, it's not based on mileage, it's based on commuting time. And we said, if you live so far away, you, you, don't, just, you don't need to be in the office, right? You've moved too far away. This doesn't make sense. I don't want to drag you away from your family because uh, one, York, I'll never hold yeah. In New York, you could be 10 miles away and it'll take you three hours to get there. So, <laughs> so, so in reevaluating that and also looking at just the scale, what did we really need in New York? We were able to get rid of a lot of work uh, stations and create um, more creative areas. Um, we put on big, you know, we, we opened a space up with some couches and lounge chairs and put huge creative walls that you could write on put, do whatever you're going to do. We also had a lot of individual meetings room and a create and a, a conference room, but keep in mind, this is one large rectangle essentially. And um, so, so once we started to do that, then you take advantage of the space and start bringing your groups out and then they start to appreciate coming in. And then the other thing that happens is I started to see people going out to lunch again together you know, teammates going out. And so now they come in and granted that it's two or three days a week, they're getting something out of that time together and, and they responded to it. Um, we did the same, a very similar thing in Cardiff. That's where our development team, our software developers are all in Cardiff. And th they're very, it's unusual for me because they actually have a very strong sense of community uh, as an office together. Um, they like to spend their time together. And so while their schedules vary and their commuting times vary, um, they're usually in three, sometimes four days a week. They have a very open space, lots of horizon to see and um, access to the outdoors and a big park and everything else. They're very good about getting out of the office together and spending time together. 
Um, and so the, the big changes were, it was really just that awareness of, we got to force ourselves to do things now that kind of happened naturally five years ago. Um, when people came into the office and everything else. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I just, I just think socially we closed up a little bit during COVID. We almost couldn't help it. And so especially young people, and I have a lot of people that this is their first or second job. And so they didn't have anything to respond to or recognize. And so we're trying to say, look, you got to, we're trying to foster leadership, teamwork, all these things. You can't do that on Zoom, you guys. You just can't. So please work with each other. You know, do you feel like they get out. it? Do you feel like the that that generation, people that are just getting into the workforce and this is their experience with work and, and you tell them something like that, yeah, what's the reaction? Um, if I tell them, I I think, you know, it's it's hyperbole and it's like listening to their, you know, their dad. <laughs> so, but but if, if but if I show it, so you go back to why do you spend thirty percent of your time? Uh, I, I you know try to practice what I preach a little bit there. So right. I yeah. the um, do you find so we just open the door there to the generation question. Do you see different um, reactions to what you're doing? generationally do you see differences from a cultural standpoint point within the offices from a generational standpoint um yeah i mean i think uh, there's no delicate way of putting this the older you are the more you've been accustomed to working a certain way right the younger you are there's a new way to work and 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 it doesn't make one right or one wrong. Right. But it, but if you believe there's value to one way or the other, then you owe it to yourself to demonstrate that and communicate that. And we try to find that blended approach today. And, you know, generationally, the one thing that everybody has in common is they appreciate flexibility today. I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are, you appreciate having the opportunity. I, like, right. Everybody that works for me is, is, you know, these are all adults. And the one thing we always talk about is personal accountability in a workplace. So if you need more time to go do something, I, I trust that you've made that decision. I'm not going to, you know, that's why you're hired. You're hired to make big decisions every day. Um, and right. I'm not going to police those. We don't police those. Um, but I, I think trying to trying to let everybody know there's also an obligation that comes with that freedom. And, and that that maybe is, you know, I can only imagine some people are going to listen to this podcast at work for me and come in and just give me read me the riot act for saying it. That that is something that we need to impose upon and teach to newcomers to the workplace um, that you do have a responsibility that you do have. an Look, I as a business owner have an obligation to you, but you have an obligation indirectly to me but an obligation to your teammates here and the business and the clients that pay our bills love it that's great with with great power comes great responsibility i think it's uh from spider-man um <laughs> all right one uh one last uh question here i mean and, and by the way it's such great conversation i i, I love everything that you're saying i 
this is why, you know, you're the exact right person that we just love working with who knows, you know, Hey, this is what I want to be, you know, when I grow up as an organization. Right. And so I love that. Um, but what would you suggest to someone just like you, but earlier on and is just trying to figure out how do I create this and build this culture within my organization? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, what do you want? I mean, I, I always tell my guys in this goes to the team, I said, you know, what we do for a living does not make us who we are. Who we are makes what we do. And so I have, and granted, it, you know, this is a small company and 65 employees crossing a couple of continents. And they're so very, very different, right? Which is That's terrific because it, it keeps it keeps you laughing. It keeps you pulling your hair out. It keeps everything interesting. Um, we have a common purpose and, and they're all very, very committed to that common purpose. It is tapping into what's important to them and what's important to you and trying to build the synergies and finding out, okay, how do I achieve both? And there is a lot of noise around both of those two statements, what's important to the company and what's important to the individual. And, and, and some of the noise you just got to turn off because you can't, you, it's, it, there's a lot of rabbit holes. You can go down them all. Um, and so you, you got to understand, you got to understand if, if the business is going to be successful, um, then you have to make sure that they're feeling your client, your employees who really are your clients are feeling fulfilled, that they're getting something out of this. And I want them to go home at the end of the day and I want them to quit thinking about work. I really do. I, I, I hope that they don't have to spend a lot of time doing emails, checking their phones, et cetera, et cetera. I want them, I want them focused on whatever else makes them tick. Um, and I want it, this company and this job to be a means to make whatever makes them tick happen. But I also have to impart on them the responsibility that we have to each other and to our clients. Um, because either one of those elements break and we don't exist and then they got to figure out how to make it tick somewhere else. Um, and I and I think most of my employees would tell you, I don't want to go anywhere else. I really like it here. I really like what we're all about. And by the way, and they, and they know what our values are as a company. Um, they helped craft those. This is an employee owned company. So it's, it makes it very different. Um, but you just have to be, you have to set your own agenda aside to the extent that it can't be about what you want. It's sometimes, Tim, this is not about what I want. What I want is like I just said, I want, I want it all to work. Um, but on a day to day on the nuts and bolts, sometimes I, you know, sometimes I have to open my eyes and go, okay, it's changed. Things have changed priorities. The, the overall values haven't changed, but how we get there has. Um, and I got to constantly learn and be, be awake to it. And if, if that starts to dull, then I got to get out of the way. Yeah. So um, just be sensitive to, to it, um, but be sensitive to purpose too. So I said it was the last question, but I, I, I may, I think I lied here uh, because <laughs> I got a million questions I would love to ask you, but that's that word purpose. You said it now twice. Do you find that to be a driving force? Because uh, st there's a statistic out there that said purpose that says the purpose is uh, the driving factor for uh, the Gen Z and beyond. 
rather than financial, it's purpose. Are you seeing that playing out uh, for you and your organization? It's a huge deal. Um, you know, they, I get asked a lot, uh, what, what are we doing for this? What is the company doing for it? What is Continuum going to do um, for this? And so there's a lot of, in terms of purpose, there becomes a lot of social causes, a lot of other things. And I, you know, my answer is always the first thing. You guys, Continuum is just a name. <laughs> it's just a name on it. It doesn't, it doesn't exist, doesn't have its own heartbeat or anything else. I said Continuum is a group of individuals. And so now... Now you got to understand what is important to because what's important to me may not be important to one of my one of my peers out there and what their social cause of the day is may not be my social cause of the day. Um, so I'm very respectful of what those purposes are. Um, and, and I always tell them, I'm not I'm not telling you what you can what you can say, what you can do. Anything, but your life is your life. Um but as a company, our purpose is to allow you to go do that. But for us to do that, our company's purpose has to be our client's purpose at the end of the day. And so that's where it starts. It's like we got to be focused on the business. And if you ask me what continuum position is on this, I will tell you what my position is on this. You know, and 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 at some point we have shared values, but. I, you know, I get I get really upset when people hide behind and say, well, the company's decision is this. Companies don't make decisions. People make decisions. Right. So, um, you know, just that, that. Yeah, that's that's what I mean by purpose. It's yeah. just where are we get uh, what are we trying to do? I agree. I think purpose is a driver and making sure that people have that. And the other that you mentioned was this idea of like, don't don't bring the the work home with you, you know, unplug, spend time with those that matter most and come back re-energized. You'll be able to run, you know, a little faster uh, and you're going to be happier. Right. Don't you agree? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I look, I, 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 you, I had sent you some, a little background on me, you know, when my day is done, the first thing I do when I get home, I grab a wheelbarrow, a rake, and I start picking up, after my horses <laughs> so talk about a grounding and humili humiliating experience. That's, right. that's that's and you know by the way that's how i start my days too so yeah. uh it, it yeah i do unplug and start shoveling and it's it's good for all of us sometimes you feel like you're doing that all day long but just not <laughs> <laughs> hey Pat, thank you so much i i really appreciate it i i think we could go on maybe we need to have you back and we can talk about other topics uh, I just think that you got a, a, a wealth of knowledge, but thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again sometime in the future. Thank you. You bet, Tim. Thank you. I appreciate it.